Good morning and welcome to the Jesuit Institute Hour here on Radio Veritas. This morning we're going to be talking to about some other things. We, we're going to leave the discussion about schools and religion in schools for the time being. We're going to be talking this morning to Father Matsupane Morare about um, migrants and social housing. He works with the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office and they've just recently done a round table on this issue. So we'll be hearing a little bit more about what came up in that round table. And then a little bit later in the program today, we're going to be talking to Ms. Karen Chrysel from Sanka, and we'll be talking to her a little bit more about um, drug and alcohol abuse. And you'll remember that last week I said we would be picking up on this again. Uh, the Jesuit Institute at the moment is running a series of workshops around the country on addiction. And on Radio Veritas, just kind of picking these themes up, we'll be looking at various helps that are in place in different parts of the country for people suffering from addiction. And just for the next few weeks, we'll just have this as a recurring theme that we're coming back to this, which is really one of those um, real evils in our society that really damages people, damages their sense of self and damages their families and the community. And so we'll be talking about that some more. Um, so that's really the rundown for today's show. If you'd like to phone in, the studio line is 011-452-7115 or you can SMS us on 41809. So we're going to turn now and see if we can talk to Father Matsupane. Good morning. Hello, hello, good morning. Good morning, Father Matsupane. How are you this morning? I'm well, ma'am. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And how is Cape Town? Oh, Cape Town is the same. Uh, <laughs> unpredictable. One minute warm, one minute cold. Um, raining, but it's never enough. Ah, right. So we, we, we're well, still, even despite the heavy storms, you're still battling with water? Yes. Uh, uh, in fact, the heavy storm, um, they gave us um, about... Percent of the rain that we needed, um, right. so <laughs> we still have a long way to go to get to 100 percent. Right. Uh, we're still sitting at 20, 22, 23 percent wow. of the dams um, with 10 percent useless. So we're really sitting at about 30 percent of, of water available for Cape Town. So, oh. Yeah, it's dire. It's dire. That that that's really tough. So, Father Matsupane, I know you've recently held a round table on migrants and social housing, and I wonder if you could just, firstly, to just tell us a little bit about what the issues are with migrants and access to housing in the country, and then talk through some of, of what the debate might be about. Right. Uh, in fact, on, on the 2nd of, um, of, um, of, of, of this month of June, um, as CPLO, you know, the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office, we had this round table. And it's, it's extraordinary. What, you know, sometimes you assume that you know um, what challenges people face until, you know, people actually sit down and talk and explain the intricacies, the, the challenges, the, the, the problems um, that they face on a daily basis. And you actually begin to realize how complicated and how difficult um, um, the challenges are, and even worse, um, often how little will there is to actually resolve some of the problems that these people are facing. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I think one of the first problems that became very obvious was the problem of understanding who we are talking about. Um, I mean, people talk call everybody a refugee, any kind of. Um, foreigner who comes into the country and is not here as a, as a tourist or is not here as a student, 
um, automatically, or, or a business person is automatically classified a refugee. Wow. Okay. Uh, and that complicates things in mm-hmm. the first place. Mm-hmm. And they go to, help, to home affairs, and home affairs is uh, also pretty strict in terms of who they classify as what. Yeah? Right. And it, it, it's, it's very important to be classified as the right person. So, for instance, uh, if you're classified as a refugee, then you basically get all the rights of a citizen except the right to vote. Um, so you practically um, uh, get access to, or have a right to access all the services um, of, of, of a citizen, the right to housing, the right to education, and, and all those kinds of services. But most people that come into South Africa are simply classified as asylum seekers, mm-hmm. right? And that, that's about 90% of, of of, of, of the people that go to home affairs simply get classified as asylum seekers, get given temporary status, you know, one month, six months, a year, and it has to be renewed regularly. Mm-hmm. So it becomes impossible to, you know, to contract, to get into a contract for, for rental housing. It's impossible to buy a house. It's simply impossible. Um, and all kinds of challenges that... Um, have to face simply because um, they don't have the right documents to be able to contract uh, into housing, and that makes it even worse when it comes to social housing. You know, because the officials in, in many municipalities will simply say, "No, you're not a South African. You're not entitled to social housing. Or I go to a shelter somewhere or find a shack." Mm-hmm. And that's how uh, many many. Uh, Many migrants, many asylum seekers end up living in in uh, rundown buildings, in in, in, um, in shacks, um, overcrowded in other people's houses. I mean, it's it's, it's quite difficult for, for for many migrants to access um, housing. And to top it all up, South Africans um, are becoming more mercenary by the day because they realize that the, the migrants are a soft target. So migrants come and they don't have the right kind of document or short-term documents. You know, people just double the price of rental for a space, a very small space, or you give them rental, you get huge deposits from them, and then you refuse to give back the deposit. And you know very well that these people are illegal and don't have the right kind of documentation, or maybe they're just simply illegal in terms of documentation. And therefore, they won't go to the police to reclaim their money. Um, you know, and which complicates life uh, quite a lot for many migrants. You know, um, especially those with families. Those with families, uh, it's an uphill struggle. It's difficult enough to go live on your own in a shack somewhere or in a squat. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's worse when you have children with you and your wife uh, and grandparents sometimes. Um, you know. So you're talking here yeah. about kind of layers of um, of difficulty that migrants are, are forced to endure. The, the first layer, that kind of first layer, is a structural one. It's a legal layer that asylum seekers, those who, who get the status of asylum seekers, because of the short-term nature of their documentation, because of what the documentation looks like, they really are disadvantaged in many ways in trying to survive in the South African economy on a, on a, yeah. just on a very legal basis. 
Yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely. absolutely. It's, 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 it's been really difficult for them. I mean, it's bad enough. I think most of us know that the problem of housing um, and of land is, is, is a very major problem anyway. Yeah. Many people have problems accessing housing in South Africa, but that's, that's just a given. Now, you put on top of that all the other challenges that I've laid out, clean of documentation of, of people taking advantage of them and all that, and, and li- it makes life extremely difficult, extremely, extremely difficult. Yeah. I have to admit that uh, there are many church organizations, NGOs, that do go out and they try and help um, migrants in general, you know, uh, to find accommodation, to find housing, to find safe spaces, uh, and they do that. But if you look in terms of the statistics, um, I think there was a study done recently, mm-hmm. and and found that only about 10% um, of migrants actually uh, find housing and accommodation with religious bodies and everything else. And, and a huge percentage, about 60%, um, have to find the rental accommodation somewhere. Right. So which means there's a lot of exploitation of, of migrants that's going on outside there. Mm. Okay, so we, we're talking here about really it's, uh, I, I kind of, and I, I hear what you're saying, that there, there are two things, well, there are two different things going on. There is the reality that housing is a fraught issue for everyone in the country, basically, yeah. that there isn't enough housing, that we have issues around land. We, If you have all the documents you need, you may battle to find housing. But then there's also this this question of being made more vulnerable because of yeah. Of this, um, Father Matsapane, just just can you talk to us about, um, you know, about where people were in the in the discussions that you had? Was there discussion about where there are where people are congregating? Where, in particular, uh, migrants are? Um, you know, are they are they mostly in urban areas? Are they are they in particular parts of the country? Was it widespread across the whole country? Well, I, I think most migrants find that it's easier to to live in the cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, out, out in the countryside, it's even more difficult. And so most migrants will find them in the three major cities: Durban, and Cape Town, Johannesburg, and Pretoria, and Forth. Um, and that's where I think. It's easier to navigate and to find other migrant communities that can give support. So migrants often will congregate where other migrants are um, to try and get support from those who have been there before, who have navigated the spaces, the difficult spaces, uh, and, and find ways of survival. Okay. So, for instance, um, the population of, of, of migrants in Johannesburg um, is almost 20 to 25 percent of the population of, of Johannesburg wow. made up of migrants. Wow. Um, you know, and often group themselves up um, in, in, in specific areas. Here in Cape Town, uh, if you go to Hog Bay, for instance, there are villages uh, um, that are made up hugely of migrants. So the Zimbabwean, the Somali, um, the Angolan, um, uh, Congolese, they would all sort of live in the same neighborhood. And it's... And, and, to be truthful, part of it is because of uh, the whole xenophobia thing mm. that happened and scared many migrants um, into finding spaces where there are other migrants that feel a little safer. Unfortunately, South Africa is not a safe space. 
So when we talk about xenophobia, again, mm. we're kind of talking, it sounds to me as though we're talking about two levels of xenophobia, that there's a structural, legal level of xenophobia, and then there's also um, the on-the-streets, person-to-person xenophobia. Exactly. And, and, you know, and, and I think what, what is dangerous is that, that most of Africans do not consider themselves xenophobic, and probably are not. But prejudice manifests itself as xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Ignorance manifests itself as xenophobia. So, for instance, many of the police do not understand the documents coming out of home affairs that differentiate between refugees, asylum seekers, and economic migrants or anything like that. So, for, for many police, a foreigner is a And if they ask for documentation, they expect to see a passport or a South African identity document. And if the person does not have either of these, then the person has become a, a criminal. And, and, you know, and therefore, that hostility that many migrants feel from the police, um, they experience it as xenophobia. In fact, for, for, for many people, it's pure ignorance of exactly what it is and who it is that they're dealing with. Right. So, so there's a real problem there with, with making sure that people like police who have power and who are on the ground actually understand what the kind of documentation is that they're looking at or, or understand what it is that people, who people are and that they may not have that. And there's a need, really, it sounds like there's a real need to conscientize police about migrants and about why migrants may be seeking refuge in South Africa and the different reasons for that. Exactly, exactly. And, and not just the police, even ourselves. Even no? mm-hmm. ourselves as communities, um, we also have quite a lot of ignorance about, about migrants, about who they are, and what is the difference between all of them. And we have a tendency to find that it's too tedious to try and find out who is who. So we lump them together. All oh, these nice foreigners, you know. Uh, we are being nice or being polite or being helpful, but we're also compounding the problem. Yeah. You know? Because we're treating people as one huge mass of outsiders, uh, rather than as individuals, as people, as families, with identities, with different problems, challenges, and needs as well. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, and there's a there's a kind of a real devaluing of the human person when we just lump everyone who is not South African into one broad basket of different. Yes, yeah, you know, and and we struggle to. I mean, I think South Africans uh, are beginning to find it very difficult to deal with difference, you know, um, and it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge that requires uh, all of us to, to step forward. And, and in a sense, it is easier for, for, for those of us in the spaces of politics to complain about the politicians, about the officials and the laws and everything else. And we exonerate ourselves uh, from our complicity in this world. Yeah. And we're just as complicit. Uh, and therefore, you know, if we're going to make um, that scripture you know, injunction to welcome the stranger, um, that we're going to make. Uh, then we need to challenge ourselves in our own little prejudices, our own little uh, ignorance uh, that makes that, that very difficult or impossible to do. Yeah. Wow, so it, it really sounds, as you're talking, Father Matsapan, it sounds as though there is, there is a real need for the church to be 
pushing for a kind of two-pronged approach. On the one hand, the work that you at the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office are doing, the kind of advocacy work around changing yeah. around changing policy, but then at a grassroots level, and I mean, the Catholic Church is a very big church and we, we, have, we have fingers into every village in the country, at a grassroots yeah. level, to really, in our churches, be helping people to talk to the people who are, because often, you know, I think about going to Mass on a Sunday. Um, I, every time I go to Mass on a Sunday, I meet people who are coming from all over Africa, um, just yeah. in, sitting in the pew beside me. And, and so it really feels to me like our churches are one of the places where we should be encouraging this kind of engagement, encouraging uh, listening to each other, encountering each other's stories. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, it's, and, and I mean, for, for, for some of us, we cannot say this or that. You know, either or, it's both and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and when we do engage people, and and it's amazing uh, how changing the churches, when the churches change their attitude to something, and the churches decide that no, um, we're going to take a very positive and um, positive in terms of this. Instead of seeing migrants as a problem, we're going to see them as part of the community, mm-hmm. to welcome the, the vulnerable people that need our protection. Um, that's the, the impact on everything else that goes on around, especially in those far-flung villages and little towns and little dorkies, um, you know, uh, little communities somewhere. Uh, it, it makes a very, very big difference. Mm. So it's a real challenge for us as church to really take this on to that scriptural injunction to welcome the stranger. Father Matsapane, thank you so much for sharing with us this morning and for the good work that you're doing in Cape Town. And we will pray for gentle rain in your area you. of the country as well. Thank you very much. And we look and, forward. Uh, and, yeah, and we pray for, for, for your work as well. And, and please continue praying for the work that we do at the piano. Thank you very much. And God bless. Thank you. So I've been talking to Father Matsapane Morare. He is working with the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office, and he was just talking to us about the roundtable they held on the 22nd of June, looking at migrants and social housing and just asking what is going on in that area. And it's, it's very interesting listening to Father Matsapane, and I think really challenging to us as, as Catholics, as Christians, to think about how do we, how do we really obey that injunction from Scripture to welcome the, the, our neighbors, whoever they may be. Now we're going to listen to some music and then we'll be back.